Koinonia, Christian Fellowship, Communion with God and with Fellow Christians. This is Koinonia. This is Community. I am Tom Brown and your host today, Pastor Mark Buckley. Welcome to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley. I'm really glad to be with you on this beautiful afternoon in the Valley of the Sun. With me in the studio are Ryan Romeo and Jay Murphy, and we're co-laborers in the Lord at Living Streams. And they're here to tell you about something that's coming up that's going to be a special worship conference. Tell us about it, Jay. Yeah, we're putting on a worship conference November 4th and 5th. It's a Friday and Saturday night, and we've invited people from all over the country as guest worship leaders and guest speakers, and we're going to spend a day and a half just being led in worship and learning about worship and hearing about relationships and connection and all the things that help us become the worshipers we were created to be. Ryan, give us some of your background. Uh, You've been involved in worship ministry for a long time. Yeah, I started leading worship about 15 years ago. So just in the progression of the last 15 years, I've gotten to lead worship and help raise up other worship leaders. And now at Living Streams doing something kind of different, but doing kind of creative visuals and that sort of thing. So kind of anything that involves getting people in the church connected with God is something I'm really passionate about. You're also one of the founders of the Outcry Tour, and before this program's over, we're going to find out what that's been all about. Jay, you've got an interesting lineup coming for the encounter. Tell us some of those artists and guests. We have a guest worship leader named Corey Asbury coming, and I first saw Corey lead worship about three years ago in Colorado Springs. We went to a worship conference. I think you might have been on that trip with us when we went. And there was just something about the way he carried the presence of the Lord, something about the way he led that was, he had a lot of excellence. He was really humble. There was something amazing about him, something that I just, I never forgot about. So when we were planning this conference we're going to do here, and we're talking about who we wanted to invite as guest worship leaders, we thought that this is the guy we really want to ask. And his original connection was with IHOP in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And then he's now on staff at New Life Church in Colorado City as one of their worship pastors. Colorado Springs, yeah. Colorado Springs. And then he's also part of this really neat collective out of Redding, California called Bethel Music. And it's a bunch of worship leaders. A lot of them are from Bethel Church in Redding, but they're from all over the country and they write together and they make songs together and recordings together and they do some traveling. So he's got a lot of influence in the worship leading community. And so we're really excited and really honored that he would come and that we've got a chance to worship with him. Our sort of keynote speaker is Danny and Sherry Silk, mm-hmm. and they lead a ministry called Loving on Purpose Ministries, and their focus is on healthy relationships and healthy connection. And there's there's so much in worship team building and worship leading that has everything to do with really healthy and strong connections and relationships. And so we wanted to make that a focal point of what we were doing and equipping people for was not just to have really high-quality music in your church, but that whoever is leading people, they're connected really well. And Danny and Sherry are really experts and on the cutting edge of teaching people how to do that. Yeah, it's not just we're getting high in a great worship experience. Right. We're build, we're doing life together. That's we're in right. covenant together in Christ. Mm-hmm. And who else? So we also have Pastor Mike Maiden. He's from down the street from our church. He's the lead pastor at Church for the Nations. And that's a church I actually grew up in and mm-hmm. uh, under his leadership. And I've always admired him and respected him. He's a passionate worshiper. And I really wanted to have him come and, and have give him the opportunity to sort of speak over a room full of worship leaders in Phoenix. I just thought that would be really effective. And then as kind of an unexpected treat, we were able to get in touch with a man named Cody Carnes. And a lot of his reputation is that he's married to a famous worship leader, Carrie Job. Mm -hmm. But Cody is an unbelievably accomplished and skillful songwriter and worship leader and writer and speaker in his own right. And Mm -hmm. so uh, we're excited to have him come too. 
Wonderful. That's going to be an awesome time. Now, give people the opportunity to know how do they get signed up for it. Go to EncounterPHX.org. And it's pretty user-friendly. Just Mm -hmm. look at the site, follow all the instructions, and you go down to registration. I think there's group rates for four or more, five or more. Five or more, So there's group rates available and all of that, but it's all pretty user-friendly. And we want to make sure everybody gets a chance to come. So if there's any problem, just give us a call and we'll make it work for you. That's right. Um, Ryan, you founded something called Outcry. And before we take a break, at least introduce us to the concept. It's a big worship tour. So we get a bunch of worship artists from all around the world and get them together on one stage and uh, have a big night of, of worship. So, And we're going to find out what happened when they went city to city. They took that dream from being a dream into a, a reality that's had an incredible impact. Stay tuned. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. We're going to be right back after these messages. Good afternoon, beloved. Tom Brown on Fate Talk 1360 KPXQ. Thanks for joining us on this marvelous Monday. Discover your role in rebuilding a broken nation with the Kingdom Citizen Collection from Focus on the Family. Dr. Tony Evans' book, Kingdom Citizen, a subscription to Citizen Magazine, a CD and download of Voting as a Kingdom Citizen and your family's election activity kit are all included. Go online now to order yours, faithtalk1360.com. Koinonia is community. This is Koinonia, and we return now with Pastor Mark Buckley. Welcome back to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley, and I'm... uh... Your host today, I've got two fine gentlemen here who love the Lord, who have been very fruitful in ministry for years. We work together at Living Streams. Ryan Romeo is the founder, one of the two founders of the Outcry Tour. Ryan, take us back to the beginning when it was just a dream and tell us how this dream became reality. Uh, it was about six years ago. I met a guy named Shane Quick, and um, at the time I was doing work with a worship leader named David Crowder, and we met at an event, and um, and we met each other, had a good time, and finished the event, and I didn't think much of it. And um, about a year later, he called me out of the blue, and he said, I'm thinking about doing, at the time, it was a worship leader conference. I'm thinking about doing a worship leader conference called Outcry. So we talked on the phone for about an hour and a half and really hit it off. And he said, he said, I just started working with a group called Jesus Culture. Why don't you come out to L.A. and we can talk a little bit more about it? Um, and I wasn't very familiar even with Jesus Culture at that time. And uh, we sat down and we started dreaming about Outcry. And then it started changing into um, it had a bunch of different forms. It was a conference and then it became a festival um, at some point, we had actually been offered uh, $2 million to do it in a facility called Coachella. The owner of uh, a big uh, place called Coachella offered us that money, and we didn't feel at peace about it, and we turned it down. You didn't and feel at peace about $2 million. <laughs> You wanted four. We wanted a lot, yeah. <laughs> no, and we had a third guy, actually, that was with us at the time, and he said, you guys are dumb. Crazy. Yeah, I'm out of here, yeah. Um, and so I just over the years, I thought, you know, this is probably not even going to ever happen. And then um, one day he called me and he said, uh, Hillsong United wants to do a tour and they're willing uh, to call it Outcry. And that was kind of the first time um, somebody had trusted us and said, you can yeah. do your own messaging. Um, and from that, we had um, them and Crowder and Bethel and Jesus Culture and Carrie Job and 
Lauren Daigle. They all signed on. They all signed on. Sort of like building a development and you got to get an anchor tenant first, huh? Yeah, and it was, it got out of control. At some point I started realizing I I can't stop this even if I wanted to. And it's, uh, it was amazing and it was difficult. That first tour was probably when was the first tour? Uh, It was about 18 months ago. So about a year and a half ago, we, we took it on the road and uh, I told my wife when I got back, I said, I loved Outcry, but I'd be glad to never do it again in my life. <laughs> and um, just What happened? I mean, so you had all these bands, some of the biggest name bands in the nation. Yeah. Um, I think really, I mean, our heart was re- for the church. And uh, we had talked about different forms of Outcry, and we thought, oh, it'd be really great to get all these people together. Uh, we had not really formulated why, and I think that's what took five years for us to really formulate why are we doing this tour. Um, and ultimately we came down to, and I really think the Lord led us into this season of understanding that you know we've been critiquing the church and it's mm-hmm. been part of our generation. It's been very you know understood that, oh, the church the right is way, messed huh? up, we're going to yeah. do it better, or we're not going to do it at all because mm-hmm. churches, whatever. Um, and we really felt like, um, God was returning his church back to an understanding that um, it's not us that has a vi- high value for ourselves. Jesus has a high value for the church. Yeah. Um, and understanding that value for the church, understanding that he calls it his body and his bride and mm-hmm. uses all these terms that um, are so like reverent and he cares so much for the body of Christ. Um, and so for us, we wanted to do a tour that that really encouraged the local church um, I've been in a local church since I got saved, and there's a lot in of dates. junior high school, right? Oh, high school, high, high school. school, yeah, yeah. And um, and it, there's fun days, and there's terrible days, and everything in between. And we wanted to finish the tour and remind people that they're part of the greatest movement in history. Um, and it really felt like it was uh, a message that the Lord wanted to speak over the country. And so I think that was one of the things that resonated with the worship artists. They all come out of churches and we imagine them in studios and kind of disconnected from churches but when you get to know them none of them are like that they're all connected to their church and every song that they write everything is connected to the community that they come out of Um, so we wanted to tell that story we wanted people to come and realize their church probably looks a lot more like Bethel or Hillsong than they would ever imagine you know um, and so that's, I think, part of the reason why all the artists jump on. So take know. us back to that first night where you got everybody together. And, oh, boy. <laughs> um, your first, the first big, uh, you wonder who all's going to come and yeah. how many people showed up the first. Our first evening. night was about 12,000 in Chicago. That's and a big turnout. Yeah, man. that's a big turnout. So we were in an outdoor venue. Um, praying just, that it won't rain. Huh? Praying that it wouldn't rain. And, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's it's that moment where you imagine doing really large-scale ministry is just like this beautiful, easy, fun thing. Yeah. And for me, I realized, oh, it's not the case at all. This is really hard. And we're trying to run these, you know, question and answer times. And I'm running around trying to gra- grab stools and get those ready. And then we're realizing we're doing a prayer meeting and I'm missing it and we're running and... We had shirts. We I left 300 shirts for the artists at the first venue that night because I just forgot about them. Yeah. Um, but we had, you know, over 100 people on staff with us. We had 13 tour buses. We had 10 semis. And it was The logistical crazy. stuff is 
a scene. Now, who is in charge of all that stuff? <laughs> we had a production company, technically. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, just still, we were just getting our sea legs, trying to figure it out. So um, I remember after the first four days, it was just spontaneous tears. I was just <laughs> sleep deprived. Right, I'd right. work till 2 a.m. every night and sleep on a bus, get up and start it at, you know, 7 or 8 o'clock the next morning. And, um, and it was really hard. And I realized that, you know, that sort of calling is just that. It's a calling. It's It d- didn't feel any more special. Yes, we had, you know, ten or 12,000 people in front of us, but it felt surprisingly like it does on a Sunday morning. You were still yeah. trying to get all your stuff in a row and yeah. still trying to, you know, hang out with people and deal with, you know, issues. And, um, and so I think that was the realization that, no, this is just a calling and this is a season and it didn't feel any different than any other calling or season on my life. Yeah, there's you know? no such thing as getting to a place where you make it and all of a sudden trials go away and oh, temptation yeah. goes away and oh, yeah. it's just all the presence of the Lord, right? Yeah. And it just in a moment, in those sort of areas that it's like a pressure cooker, that tensions are high. And so you have to have so much more grace on each other. And uh, it's, yeah. But at the same time, it was so beautiful and so amazing. Because God really did show up and he did. People were touched in the worship, weren't they? Yeah. And from that first one, we've had about 26,000 people accept Jesus and had over 300,000 people come out for outcry so far. Um, So, you know, and on that level, I look at those numbers and I just go, God, that's you. It's silly to try to take any credit for it because it just got so out of control in the best way so quick, you know. Um, So it's been really amazing to see what God's been doing. That's really, really neat. I'm going to ask you some more about that in a little bit. But first, Jay, um, what drew you into worship yourself? Why did you decide that would be a good use of your life to become a full-time worship leader? was interesting. I I wouldn't say it was a, a lifelong ambition. I think I started... started as a quarterback, didn't you, back in the day? <laughs> you know, I didn't. I was a defensive back and a wide out. And I overrated you. I'm yeah, sorry. You did a little bit. Um, but, you know, I loved music. I went to college for music and really had dreams of being, quote-unquote, discovered, mm-hmm. of being one of these people on the outcry tour, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah. And I think I did have just some delusion about it of what I thought it was about, what I thought it took. And I, the Lord allowed allowed me to have an experience where I got to see part of what I thought I was hoping for, for the way it really was, and realized, oh, that's, that's not what I want to be. That's not how I want to use what I have, use what I'm about. And around that same season, the church we were at, the pastor asked if I would just help kind of cover Mm-hmm. the the worship leader he he needed to take a break and this was oh shoot probably he didn't tell you he had burned him out first or anything like that if he had he didn't tell me and <laughs> so um and so i did i just took i just ha- was just there to help mm-hmm. i knew you know i could play i could make some music and it was in that season where i realized oh my gosh this is this is why i'm here this is this is what i'm supposed to do and this is and so that started sort of that season of discovery, of growth, of of moving into that. And so I would say in a way I kind of was allowed to see what I thought I wanted for what it really was to know to, like, oh, that's not 
that isn't really what I wanted. And mm-hmm. the Lord is able to show me something so much bigger, so much more fulfilling, so much better. And so, yeah, for the last, um, well, without really trying to calculate, probably about 15 years or so, um, being on worship teams or leading worship teams or those sorts of things. And how about your own personal uh, life as a worshiper? Um, you know, I know as a pastor, I'm, I make my living preaching and teaching the Word of God. And so a lot of my study time is studying to prepare messages. A lot of your time is working to prepare worship sets. What do you do for your own personal edification in terms of worship? Mm-hmm. It takes on a handful of different faces. This morning was was different. This morning was just spent some time in the Word. I had my guitar, and it was just me and the Lord. I was just mm-hmm. singing some worship songs that I already knew. I was singing some things just from my own heart that I was longing for between me and the Lord, and just spending some time praying about some things that were heavy on my heart. Other times, it looks like putting on some worship music while I'm driving from point A to point B, I would say the overarching idea, the overarching thing is that you're always trying to maintain that awareness of the presence of God or maintain that awareness of His voice in your life so that mm-hmm. your life can be lived in response to what the Lord is saying to you. My guests are Jay Murphy and Ryan Romeo. Stay tuned. We're going to be back with more of Koinonia. We're going to find out some of the ins and outs of the Outcry Tour and how you can Get your worship team involved in an encounter that's going to be very special. We'll be right back after these messages. Searching the Scriptures, Pastor Chuck Swindoll shows you how to take your study of God's Word to the next level, and we've arranged for you to get a free chapter right now. Go online, faithtalk1360.com, to read Chuck's recipe for getting the most out of your Bible study, faithtalk1360.com. You know, Koinonia is about relationship. It's about community. It's about family. It's about communion with God and with fellow Christians and today's program is an example of that community. You're listening to Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ, and now more Koinonia, the radio show with Pastor Mark Buckley. Welcome back. I'm Mark Buckley, and I'm talking to two of my good friends from Living Streams who are very involved in worship ministry. Jay Murphy, who has been the worship leader at Living Streams for a number of years. Jay, who are some of the artists that you really enjoy that you want to emulate when you think of worship teams, when you think of bands and or churches that that are doing worship the way that you're trying to lead us into. Who yeah. who are some of those folks? Um, oh gosh, there's probably five or six of them. Some of them, lots of people know, and a couple of them, probably very few people know. Uh, at the top of that list is a man from Gateway Tech in Texas named Zach Neese. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book called How to Worship a King, and I've watched him lead worship before, both in conferences and just at a weekend service in Texas. And there's something about how he carries worship, how he carries himself, 
and what he has to teach about it that have really, I would say he's probably been the single most influential worship leader in my life, and he doesn't even know. Uh, Brian Johnson from Bethel Redding. Thomas, um, oh, I just forgot his last name, but uh, Thomas, he's the head worship pastor at Gateway, Texas. John Egan, Corey Asbury from New Life, Darlene Check and Ruben Morgan from Hillsong. Mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of them. I grew and you up got to meet to some of them, right? I mean, over the years or at Outcry, did you connect did. with any of them? You know, I didn't get to meet Reuben Morgan at Outcry, but I went wondering if I would even just run into him at all. And there are these pre-concert worship times mm-hmm. on these Outcry tours. And Ryan had told us before coming to visit, trust me, the concert part is amazing. But the time where these worship leaders and these artists get together backstage before everything happens and they're just taking time to quiet their hearts and worship the Lord together and keep the main thing the main thing. Mm-hmm. He said that that'll be the thing you want to make room for and time for and make mm-hmm. sure you see that. And we went and it really was just amazing to hear just the sincerity and the humility in their hearts really reminded you that God has promoted them more so because of their character and the way they steward what they've been given mm-hmm. than necessarily their talent, because you can find talented people anywhere, but people mm-hmm. with hearts like this that have cultivated that heart posture is kind of yeah. rare. Yeah. And so we're all sort of gathered there and I'm just outside the door listening to it and it's beautiful and you're sort of kind of getting lost in worship and my eyes are closed and my hands are lifted and someone taps me on the shoulder and says, excuse me, can I get by? And I look over and it's Reuben Morgan and all he wants is to get by, but it was all I needed. And it was just so neat because basically met him. He's probably telling stories about you. We're way closer than than (laughs) I want to, I don't want to embarrass him, but you know, it was interesting because I did just take a a minute or two to sort of watch what he would do because he, he came a little bit later and worship had already started and he didn't force his way into the crowd. He wasn't looking for anyone to see him he took two steps into the doorway, stopped and lifted his hands and worshiped in the back of the room. And Reuben Morgan is a pioneer in modern worship music mm-hmm. and a prolific songwriter. Much of the church probably doesn't even realize that we sing so many songs with his name attached to them. Really? And he just stood at the back of the room and got at the feet of Jesus and worshiped. And there was something so beautiful and inspiring about that. And it's the same for all those names that I've mentioned, the Brian Johnsons, the Darling Checks, Carrie Job, Zach Neese, Thomas Miller, there is, from Gateway, mm-hmm. they all have that same thing where their desire is not to be up front to have spotlights on them, but their desire is to usher people to the feet of Jesus and show them how to pour their hearts out in worship and in praise. That's really neat. So, Ryan, you worked with some of the top artists in the world and uh, got to know them on a personal basis. And, um, you know, there's a scripture in Isaiah 53 about Jesus, and it says there was no former appearance that we should desire him. There's something about Jesus that was so natural that you couldn't even sense his charisma in a a way. What have you learned about working with well-known people? And in the world, there's a lot of divas. Yeah. Well, I think, um, yeah, none of them are divas at all. Mm -hmm. And and it really is humbling to be around them and to know there's been so many times I'd sit backstage and I'd look around and I'd just think if they all did the same Instagram post, how many millions of people would see that, you know, mm-hmm. a huge amount of influence in one room. 
Um, but everybody has a, a large amount of humility. And I think, honestly, I mean, we'd have these Q&A sessions. We'd have people ask all the time, you know, like, what what are some insights you could give to a young worship leader? Or, mm-hmm. And sometimes the under, undertone of the question would be, how can I do what you're doing? Yeah, how, how can, can I, I be, be standing famous? on that I'll stage? I'll be glad to yeah. do it. Just tell me how. <laughs> exactly. And what was amazing is none of them said, oh, here's the, here's the five steps to do it. Yeah. Um, the, their stories are always the same. And I, I kind of think about outcry in the same way. It's just when, when God calls you to it, he kind of gives you grace for it. And, and it's com- completely out of your hands. It's one of those things where you're faithful with the thing that's been in front of you for mm-hmm. a while. And God's opened up a door and they're faithful to walk through it. Um, Carrie's a great example. She just always says, you know, I was never looking to stand on the stage. Um, I just would be, you know, faithful with whatever God put in front of me and I would do that well. And, um, and you really start to see too, it's not more fulfilling to be standing on the stage that they're at. Um, it's the same as any other calling on any other life, you know, and, um, they have different things that are unique to them, just like any one of us have unique Mm -hmm. things that we deal with. Um, and so when you see that humility, you start to really, uh, you know, feel a camaraderie with them. And that's what I felt in the last year and a half, really getting to meet all of these, these people is understanding they're just people. They're trying to connect with God. They're trying to connect other people with God. Um, and as long as they're there and God has them influencing people, they're trying to steward that well. Um, and at some point they may not be doing that anymore and they're at peace with that, you know, so. Um, my wife was trying to help me. We're, we're starting a Mark Buckley's ministries as I step away from being the senior pastor for Living Streams. And uh, we, we had some hassles where the printing for the invitation to this luncheon came back and it was messed up. And yeah. now we're the window of time is being crunched. And she started to have tears in her eyes. And she said, you know, Mark, I don't want to do this the way we did it for 20 years, the first 20 years of living streams where everything's under pressure. Yeah. yeah. And I said, you know what? I don't either. And so we ended up postponing the whole date, get, we'll get a new printing done. And, um, what have you learned about, I mean, you've done outcry now, you say 26 cities. Uh, 41 cities. 41 actually. cities, yeah, 41 and it feels like only 20. It feels like 20. <laughs> I probably remember around 26 of them. Um, what have you learned about believers under pressure? Because I know there's times when I get very carnal. I get very worried and very anxious and very pressured and very upset, very angry. And then I have to go preach, you know, yeah, and yeah. I probably grieve the Holy Spirit so many times. He's uh, like, let me know when you're done with the meeting and we'll talk then. You yeah, know? <laughs> honestly, I just feel like there's something OK with the humanness of that. You know, I, I had a I had a there was one night and I won't say what group it was, but the uh, the management came to me and started telling me that I needed to cut this thing out of the night and. I was telling them we can't because it was one of our sponsors, like contractually, we can't cut their time. And so we at some point escalated to where we're like yelling at each other. And then our producer came and tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, Ryan, you're on stage in 30 seconds. And I'm like, (laughs) "Okay." And I walk out on stage just on the inside, angry. And I'm supposed to be praying over pastors and like at a very pastoral sort of moment. And I with just thousands of people watching. with thousands of people watching, and I just take a deep breath and yeah. and 
the and you realize in those moments you can only do the best that you can do. So you yeah. take a deep breath and you say, God, help me to do the best that I can. Because it's it's easy to get off the stage when you're done with a pressure moment like that and go, gosh, I really blew it. I didn't say this. I didn't say that. And then to let that sink in and get frustrated at the other guy who, right. you know. And you have to really, you get off the stage and you go, well, that's done. I can't go back and redo that, you know. And um, and some of that, I just think it's part of doing work and ministry in a fallen world. Occasionally, you're going to have that and you're going to have that pressure. Um, but um, I really, uh, as much as I could in those tours, too, I would try to give myself some barrier and try to control that a little bit. You know, yeah. Yeah. talk to my people that are on the team like, hey, please talk to me about these things in the morning so that I'm not stressing out in the afternoon about them. And so I try to be as proactive as possible, you know. Um, but in the end, we're we're humans, and we're gonna at some point do ministry under pressure and not feel it, you know. Yeah. And just in that moment of faithfulness and saying, "God, I don't feel it, but I'm gonna just be faithful with what's in front of me again," you know. Um, and it's in in my experience, God's always met me there, you know. Well, um, I, I'm thinking about a number of things all at the same time, but everybody who's in full time ministry sooner or later learns not to be a hypocrite but you learn that you may have a fight with your wife on the way to church and you still have to serve the people of God you may be very upset with somebody and um you may need to deal with it later yeah. but you still have to go out there and feed the sheep and you do that as a parent right yeah. you still feed the kids dinner you still put them to bed and have them brush their teeth before you finish the fight that you're having with your spouse <laughs> yeah. right because that's life i mean you're there to serve and we're called to serve that's not being a hypocrite now if that was who we were all the time yeah. then we got a problem yeah, we got a real sure. problem yeah. but you you're not disqualified because of your humanness of your frustration of the of the conflict conflict is a part of marriage. It's a part of a business. It's a part of a band. It's a part of a yeah. church life. And the the ones who go on to fruitfulness are the ones who learn how to work through it and manage it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, um, there's some, some rules. I remember Carrie had a great rule for her team. Uh, and we really tried to exercise it on outcry as much as possible, but it was a 24 hour rule that if somebody made you frustrated and you didn't talk to them within 24 hours, you had to let it go. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's up to you. You bring it up in that 24 hours. Otherwise, it's done, you know. Yeah. And it's in those sort of moments that you really need those sort of rules, especially in those sort of circumstances. Yes. Um, there's an incredible um, worship conference coming up, and I'm going to have Jay explain it to you when we come back after this break. It's called Encounter, and you can look it up on the website at EncounterPHX.org. And we want you to be involved and to invite your friends and especially anybody on your worship team at the church. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Marvelous Monday and good afternoon. Tom Brown on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. How's your Bible study? Even if you've been a Christian for a very long time and spent hours and hours in the Scripture, sometimes we can always sharpen the saw, right? We can always get a little better at this. In his brand new book, Searching the Scriptures, Pastor Chuck Swindoll shows you how to take your study of God's Word to the next level. 
And we've arranged for you to get a free chapter right now. Go online, faithtalk1360.com, to read Chuck's recipe for getting the most out of your Bible study. faithtalk1360.com. Now more Koinonia. Welcome back to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams, and with me are two of my buddies that we've been working together to serve the Lord at Living Streams, and I'm glad to have Jay Murphy and Ryan Romeo here in the studio. Um, Jay, years ago, I worked with a worship leader for 10 years, and we were so familiar with each other. We actually worked together 20 years total from the time when we were young believers, and um, I, we would just get so frustrated with each other. I, I can just picture the service is going to start, you know, 9 o'clock, and, and 8.59, I'm watching the worship team leave the stage at the end of their practice and drift off towards the bathrooms, you know. And I'm going, come on, you guys, people are ready to go. And we would, we, week after week, there, there was time, one time I remember going on the stage because he had, he had exceeded the time. And, and, and he was so caught up in the worship, his eyes were closed. And in his mind, he was back at the conference where he learned the song and he was going over and over. And I'm like grabbing the mic and he's not letting me have it. And we're tug of war. On this. It was that would funny. be fun to watch. <laughs> I, I would love to see some tapes Where's of that, the YouTube yeah. video. Of that? It was way overrated, I'm telling you. <laughs> but how do you manage conflict in the local church? Because it is inevitable. There are, you know, every worship leader has to work with some kind of senior pastor preacher teacher kind of people and there's always a different sense of priority and timing how do you manage that yeah i think it's important to have to have your main thing be your main thing and to never come off of that so for me i'm in this phase in life where i'm trying to maintain this premise that my love and my honor are things that I choose to keep switched on or shut them off. So nothing that somebody does or says makes me turn them off. I have to make the choice to, to turn them off or keep them switched on. And so as, I, as using that as sort of the anchor point or the foundation, that hopefully guides my interactions. Does it always go perfect? No, it doesn't. It's just like you guys have been describing where um, your imperfection or your flesh get in the way and you shut it off. But the idea is that I'm always moving in love. I'm always moving in honor. So with that as my foundation, I know going in, let's say, to a weekend service, mm-hmm. I've got a certain amount of time to lead the musical part of worship in. So because I'm looking to honor the leadership in that scenario, I'm I'm not going to lament whether I have not enough time or if I, you know, I'm, I'm going to try not to go over time, not because I'm looking to fit inside of a rule and and honor the rules, but because I'm looking to honor the relationship and the context and the leader that has said, this is what we're trying to do. So that that's how I try to govern or, or navigate the timing of things yeah, in a practical yeah. sense. And that's so important. I, I was just thinking of a uh, situation in my family dynamic where we're my mom's 91 we have to make medical decisions and insurance decisions and i suggested something to my sister who's her primary uh caregiver and uh it would save thousands of dollars a year and a couple of years ago my sister wasn't willing to do it and the other day she sat down and said let's do it mm-hmm. and and we didn't fight you know what i mean yeah and we, we had diff- differing opinions on timing but when we're finally when we're both on the same page that's when the time had come. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Ryan, it's not easy to have to go and talk with somebody that you're upset with, is it? And it no. doesn't necessarily get easier because you've been in the Lord longer, does it? No, no. It's always it's always a difficult thing. But I think what Jay said is right. You know, like if your value for their relationship is high, then you'll go and have that conversation, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think even thinking back on the Carrie Job too, having some rules on yourself and go, but don't let that turn into a root of bitterness. You know, at some yeah. point you got to cut that off and say, okay, I didn't deal with it. I can't continue to hold that over their head, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's been uh, times in my life too, and I try to do it pretty quick, you know, like, hey, an offense happened. I better go try to work this out now, you know, before it seeps in somewhere deep. Now, one of the things you did with Outcry uh, after your first tour is you started writing a book. Yeah. Tell us about the process of writing a book. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, it's it was I actually really enjoyed writing. I was surprised by it. Um, the re- The rest of my life, I always work on trying to say things very short. You know, like how could we get a big idea and boil it down into like a bullet point, you know? Um, and everything in terms of communication or video work that I've done, I've had to do that. Uh, it's nine pages long. Yeah, it's real short. It's, <laughs> it's real short. Um, but I think in the book, I started to realize really quick, I can't do that. I have to let it breathe a little bit. So I think that process to me was surprising and fun for me to be able to say, okay, Ryan, relax. You could actually unpack this idea for a while. Um so it was great. There was uh, I set some pretty good boundary conditions for me. I wrote in the morning because I felt like that was my most creative time. You know, I turned on music, a certain kind of music that I was like, OK, this is going to get me into that sort of like mindset. And and I'd sit down and I'd pray every day. And a few days I would sit there, fingers on the keyboard going, OK, God, I got idea. nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, God brought it along and he was really faithful to keep keep me going. And I only really had about three months to write the book. Um, so, um, how would people get a hold of it? Outcrybook.com or on Amazon or, or Barnes and Noble too. And has it sold? Yeah. Yeah. How many, how many uh, copies have been produced? So uh, we're, we're at about we're close to 20,000, about 18,000. Yeah, 19, awesome. So it's been, it's been good. Uh, it's been exciting. It's a strange thing. Um, a lot more of these kind of interviews and podcast interviews. And so a lot of new things for me this year. Uh, but that first year of outcry, I was really kind of a behind the scenes guy and I was okay with that. Uh, this last tour, I think, was a process of with the book and everything else of, and even looking at the circumstances leading up to the book, I was supposed to be co-writing it with mm-hmm. the other co-founder, and then things started shifting around, and I started to realize, oh no, I'm I, you're I, writing I'm the, book. the I'm writing this book, and I think at every turn, God kind of just shifted things and pushed me into places that weren't real comfortable for me, um, but. Um, yeah, I really. It's a discipline, that isn't it? It's a it's a yeah. discipline where you have to make yourself sit down there every day. Don't you have you? to, yeah. You sit down, and I had an outline, and the the publisher said we need to approve an outline. So I sat down and wrote it out, and you know, felt like a college paper or something. Uh-huh. You're writing your outline, and I held on to that thing for dear life as we started getting into the process. I was going, okay, I need, I know this bullet point. This is what uh-huh. I need to write about today. That sort of structure helped me to keep the right. ball rolling, you know. Yeah. And especially when you have such a tight fuse on that, like that was vital for me. Yeah. So. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Um, Jay, we've mentioned the encounter worship coming up. Uh, tell us one more time details about it and uh, 
who can come and and how they can get involved. Sure, we've we've crafted it to sort of gear to lean a little bit toward the worship leader, worship team community in Arizona, but we really feel like there's something at this for everybody. Um, relationship and connection stuff, how to become the best worshiper you were created mm-hmm. to become, um, coming and listening to good teaching and good speaking, being um, led in fantastic worship. So we really just want everyone to feel invited and welcome to come and experience this. But it is geared toward equipping and, and teaching worship leaders and worship teams. Um, so it's going to be a day and a half, November 4th and 5th. Uh, November 4th is a Friday. We'll start at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Is that right, 7 p.m.? Yep. And then Saturday morning will be all day long, and we'll close the thing up with a session in the evening. Wonderful. Jay, what are some of your philosophies in building your worship team? You, mm-hmm. You're looking for what kind of skill level, mm-hmm. what kind of uh, commitment level. Give, give yeah. us some of your background along those lines. Mm-hmm. We start... Uh, with an anchor point. And the anchor point is that God promotes character. He doesn't promote talent. So we make sure that everyone on our teams understands that your character and your commitment to Jesus matter more than your skill level. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that as the foundation, we bring people through a process where we find out what their skill level is. We find out um, how well they're able to prepare. We bring them through uh, a series of teachings so that we're all on the same page theologically when mm-hmm. you understand they come on the platform we're coming at this from the same angle of how to lead worship how to lead people into that encounter with jesus we want to make sure that our guitar player understands that he's up here to lead worship every bit as much as the person who has a microphone in their hand using lyrics and teaching or speaking or whatever so we also place a really high premium on our relationships so when we get together a lot of teams weekly will get together to practice the music, and we do very, very little of that. We have a online hub that people practice from, and so we use that weekly Wednesday time to really refine our connection and our community. Yeah. And so we have a lot of C words, connection, community, craft, and we, we use that commitment to crises, commitment, you know. all of it, <laughs> the whole thing. But we do it to really unpack some of the yeah. things we've been talking about today, about what do we do? When we find ourselves in conflict, what do you do when you need to bring up something that's causing you some anxiety in your relationships with people on the team? Because it's so important that when we go up onto the platform and exert a big influence that we have done everything we can to be in right relationship with one another. You know, um, you said something earlier, which is that you thought, well, maybe I'll be a world-renowned worship leader, singer, songwriter, whatever. Um, and I think, I mean, as a preacher, I assumed, you know, I'll be a Billy Graham or Lord, I'll be glad to be a Billy Graham who does miracles for your sake. You know what I mean? I'll be glad to preach to the thousands. And, um, it's really hard for all of us to evaluate the gift and grace we've got. And one of the premises that I have is that if you abide in Christ, you will bear fruit. That's a promise in John chapter 15. Now, some people are going to seemingly bear a lot of fruit right in front of them right now. Other people's fruit might not be manifest till the next generation or the generation after. Some people are going to write a book. It might sell 100,000 copies or write a song and, and a bunch of people sing it, and then everybody forgets about it. Other people might only sell a few or... And, but but it might have a, a half-life that goes on and on and on for generations. Yeah, that's good. 
We're going to continue this conversation when we come back. I'm with uh, Jay Murphy and Ryan Romeo from Living Streams. Stay tuned to these messages. That's the music that means we're almost done. <laughs> Close Jay, music. Jay, tell people one last time what we're here for. Come to Encounter Conference Phoenix this year, uh, November 4th, November 5th. Go to encounterphx.org and register. There's group pricing, and if you bring a group of four or more, there should be some kind of group discount on that site. And we really just want to see the room full of people. Imagine the city of Phoenix, our community, catching fire with worship and coming into the presence of God. It's going to be an amazing time, and we hope to see you there. Amen. And uh, Ryan, you've written an Outcry book. People can pick it up or find out more about the next tour. At OutcryTour.com or OutcryBook.com. Yeah. And um, you'll be glad you did. It's a great book, and what I loved about it is it's a focus on the local church as much as anything. Yeah. It's not the tour isn't an end in itself. The tour is a means to build the body of Christ. And even this conference, working with Jay on the conference, it's like uh, outcry is amazing and it's so humbling to be a part of. But there's something so much more fulfilling about doing something like this with the people you're doing ministry with week in and week out in your church family, you know. And so I have a high, you know, regard for doing that sort of work. Um, and so for me, it's this conference is just as fun as, as Outcry Tour ever is. Amen and amen. Well, I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams, and I hope you're involved in a good local church. If you're not, come visit us at Living Streams on the corner of Central and Glendale in Phoenix, or get back to the place that you know the Spirit has been tugging you to go. You won't regret it. There aren't any perfect churches, but we have a Lord who's called us, commanded us told us to love one another and you can't love one another in isolation you can't grow into maturity and bear fruit all by yourself the great privilege of life is to serve jesus together so get with it folks thanks for being with us today god bless you